Brianna. I'm Sarah. And we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. <laughs> Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. And we're back. Yay. Hell week is over. <laughs> Hell 17 days. Oh, yeah. Is Sorry. Over. <laughs> Wires what everywhere. What is happening? <laughs> what? What is happening? <laughs> you said you were sitting on a button last time. Now you're sitting on wires. Now I'm s- s- my whole life's unmanageable. It's okay. Unmanageable. Mine is also the same. But I have a funny for you. I'm ready. What do you call a cheesy Halloween dance? <laughs> I don't know what. The Moonster Mash. <laughs> Get it? Like Moonster the cheese. That's great. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> For those of you that are not vegan, please eat a piece of Moonster for me because it was my favorite before I stopped yes, eating dairy. Yes, Moonster. 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 Okay, well, I also have a funny... Okay. Okay, what do you call a little monster's parents? I don't know. A mummy and a daddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. I thought it was cool. <laughs> I thought it was very cute. Well, shall we get into our booze news? Sure. Okay. Booze news. Booze news. So just a reminder for everybody and subtle plug. We are Kitty FX Shop Brand Ambassadors. Yes. Yay. I don't know why I said it like that, but it Because did. it's more fun to sing. I've lost my mind. <laughs> like Will Ferrell and Elf. I'm singing yep. in a store. <laughs> That's me. That's my life. Sorry. My life is a musical. Oh my gosh. I keep singing, um I keep singing to the cats. <laughs> So, like, you remember the the Smelly Cat song from Friends? Yes. But I change it to, um, specifically for Sammy, the fluffy rag doll that we have. So, it's fluffy cat, fluffy cat, what are they feeding you? <laughs> or, but but or, you know what you're feeding him. Oh, I know exactly what you're <laughs> Blue buffalo and kidney special diet. Yay! Um, <laughs> or uh, the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang song, but it's Kitty Kitty Meow Meow. <laughs> Oh and poor, man! Poor Jared just looks at me like, "What is wrong with you? Who did I marry?" Anyway, back to Kitty FX Shop. <laughs> oh uh, man, we are Kitty FX Shop brand ambassadors. Yes. Um, and actually, her shop should be back open now. I know Yay. there was a, a slight delay, but it should be back open. Um, so please check out everything spooky and delightful. All the things. And use our code SQUADGHOULS to get 15% off of yes. your order. Or you can use uh, the link that is on our website, and that will automatically apply your discount at checkout. Yes. Yep. And if you forget, we're going to say it again. Yeah, at the end. But I'm just <laughs> I just want to say it at the top of the call because I'm sure that nobody yes. listens to us at the end. They're like, these bitches are done. <laughs> <laughs> They're done telling us the, the end of everything. Mm-hmm. Tony Stark dies. <laughs> yes. Um, but in other news, uh, Darren Lynn Boozman's Spiral from the Book of Saw is obviously coming out here in May. Um, and it obviously is starring Chris Rock and is actually written by Chris Rock also with Samuel L. Jackson. But there is actually a 10th Saw flick that is in the works titled Saw X 
It's mm. the Roman numeral for 10, kids. Just in case um, you didn't know. So yes, no. Saw 10. Um, and it is in active development. So Ooh. the film is listed in the latest issue of Production Weekly. And uh, Bloody Disgusting has actually confirmed that it's happening. It's going on. So that being said, the title is the only thing we really know about at the moment. No plot details, no casting or d- any other details, really. Um, but stay tuned. I can't wait. I know. Because I can't believe that there's already been 10 of these things. I know. <laughs> oh, boy. I tuned out after, like, yeah, two. Right. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, After the third one, I was I'm like, I was nah. out. I mean, I mean, I did go see most of them in the theaters when mm-hmm. they came out. But I just, like, the ones that did come out in the theaters I went to see. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's just a lot of them. And very sadly, but not unexpected, for those that were planning on attending Midsummer Scream 2021 has officially been canceled. Oh. But have no fear. New dates have been announced for July of 2022. It'll be the 29th through the 31st. Okay. Yeah. And um, if you already purchased tickets for the event, they'll just be rolled over you can opt to have a refund issued i think i did that last year and i did not buy a new ticket anticipating that it was going to be canceled this year so i'll just buy a new one for next year but if you do not want to refund your ticket will be rolled over into next year oh nice but in happier news yay season screamings which was my So so much fun. Love this event. So for those that have never been, Season Screamings was an event that took place here in Hollywood at the Sweet Factory near so much fun yeah near the dolby feet theater and across the street from the el capitan and most importantly across the street from the Deli chocolate factory web uh not website der uh restaurant yes so it was a really great little spooky convention with lots of spooky holiday decor. And unfortunately, those that are L.A. locals know that the Sweet Factory closed last year. And now it has a new home. The season Yay. screamings will be taking place December 17th through 19th at the Pasadena Convention Center. Woo-hoo. So it's going to be even bigger and better than normal. I can't wait. Yeah, the first year was just little vendors. Not little vendors, but you know what I mean. Small uh, tables with different booths and artisans set up. Um, And then last year, or not last year, I guess it would have been 2019. It was expanded and it actually took over part of the space across the walkway. And there were a ton of vendors there that year. And then there's always the uh, infamous Krampus pays a visit as well as the singing elves of Christmas. So it's super fun. However, this year, because it's being expanded, there are actually going to be more things to do and see not just vendors but there's actually going to be live entertainment yay as well as haunted attractions and walkthroughs <gasps> Ooh, I'm, really I'm so excited. excited well i know we'll be stuck online that day when the tickets get released oh i'm actually gonna um <laughs> i'm gonna put this in my calendar right now because i realized i didn't well while you do that <laughs> I'll share. So, American Horror Story has been launching a poll. I don't know if you've seen it. Don't care. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I love it. Uh, Sorry. Anyway, so they were 
giving like four different options and then now we're down to the final two and ryan murphy is asking everybody to vote and see what comes up in this poll um so now they the final vote is between american horror story bloody mary or american horror story plague so you can head over to twitter and instagram to place your vote now Yes. But and it's already been filmed, right? No? Oh, no, no. Just potential upcoming seasons. Yes. Never mind. And then, um, but then American Horror Story Double Feature uh, this year um, is still, you know, that's still coming out, obviously. And then it's also going to have the spinoff, which we mentioned before, the anthology series that is titled American Horror Stories. Plural. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go, but we'll see. I'm not gagging. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan Murphy. I mean, I think Bloody Mary would be cool. But how can you can that carry an entire season? Hmm. Can you have an entire like you know, this is where I struggle with some of the themes. Okay. Is can you create so like 1984 mm-hmm. would have been amazing as one of the American horror stories standalone anthologies. Yeah. It could have been one episode. Yeah. Um Oh, you know, yeah, you know what? I agree with you. And I probably would have liked it if it would have been one yeah. episode. It would have fulfilled my 80s slasher nostalgia <laughs> and I would have been happy. Nine episodes? Eh, you know, not going to hold my attention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just don't know how much, how much can Bloody Mary carry? Can it carry nine episodes? I... It carried an hour and a half movie with Candyman. Oh, well, that's true. But that's like two but episodes. I also... But I also feel like Plague would just be too much of, like, last year. Yeah, man. So I, I don't know if that would even work, too, because I feel like he's just going to pull from basically what happened to all of us. Yeah. Uh-huh. And some of us who died. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's going to be, like, The Stand, and that already came out. So, uh-huh. I mean, well, the I've miniseries. I've seen this movie. <laughs> yeah, and I just feel like it's it's just been kind of overdone right now. I don't disagree. So... <clears throat> Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I just hope, um, you know, whatever whatever they do. I, I know a lot of people hated Roanoke, but I actually really liked... See, I liked Roanoke. I really liked Roanoke. And I really um, liked Apocalypse. Apocalypse and Coven were my favorites. Yeah. And, and Murder House. Those were my right. two favorites. Well, and I think going with that apocalypse was season one and and three, and three combined yeah. so Which of course we loved, loved it. it yeah i know um <laughs> but i feel like um i why i liked roanoke is because it was different it was mm. creative it was a really neat spin on the you know the documentary yeah. kind of style i felt like things. he was going back to the way it started mm-hmm. and then now i don't know what we're doing yeah I have so no we'll idea. see we'll see what happens well, in other news, so Arthur Grady Hendrix released his second novel, My Best Friend's Exorcism, back in 2016, <laughs> which he describes as Beaches Meets the Exorcist. I'm here I for feel this. like we might need to read this. I'm um, here for this. So it's set in the late 80s during the so called Satanic Panic. Oh, and I'm here for this. <laughs> it's a touching story of high school friendship and, well, demonic possession oh my god so the hollywood reports that the movie adaptation is now in the works from endeavor content and um elsie fisher from eighth grade will star alongside amaya miller kathy ang and rachel um 
Oh, God. Ojeji Kanu. And... Oh, girl, you did good. I was like, ooh. <laughs> you did good. <laughs> and production is already underway with Damon Thomas, who did uh, Penny Dreadful, and he's directing. So the whole story is, it's set in 1988. The novel centered on the relationship between Abby and Gretchen, two best friends and sophomores in high school. Their friendship is tested when an evening of skinny dipping goes wrong. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> And Gretchen begins to act differently and followed by bizarre occurrences. After some investigating, Abby begins to horrifyingly suspect that her friend may be possessed by a demon force. Mm. I feel like we should read this. Mm. <laughs> kind of reminds me of like a Goosebumps like book. Sort of. I mean, I like this. Yeah. Anyway, I think the movie would be fun. I agree. But we'll see. It's probably going to be on Netflix. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I feel like Netflix has everything. <laughs> they really do. It's it's very weird. <laughs> well, continuing on with uh, New Year Who Dis. Yep. We wanted to share a couple of shops that you may not know about. Yeah. So, first one that I picked is our gal pal who actually designed our squad ghouls logo yep sure did uh jesse d and uh we've played roller derby with this human and she is absolutely wonderful a shining gem of a person yes uh we adore the living hell out of her she not only happens to be a talented skater she also happens to be an incredible tattoo artist yes um she's won tons of awards for her work she's amazing but uh she also has some apparel for sale and right now, she actually is promoting a lot of the kitty cat designs on a lot of her clothing. Reason being, her 16-year-old bebe is the bebe, unfortunately, <laughs> has some expensive health issues. So, uh, we wanted to help amplify her store, and hopefully somebody out there listening buys a couple of shoys. Yes, please. They're really cute, too. Yeah, I bought the kitty cat crop top. It's cute. It's really, really cute. And then I also bought the Racerback tank. Of course. Of course I did. I almost bought the sweater. And you know what? I actually think I'm probably going to buy the sweater when we're done recording this. Because I'm like, no. or, or while we're recording. I don't need another hoodie. No, that's a dumb dumb question. Everybody needs another hoodie. So, I always need another hoodie. Right? So I'll probably buy the hoodie while we're recording. Oh, I figured. Yep. <laughs> um, but she's got a big cartel store. So if you just go to Jessie, she spells it J-E-S-S-Y, the letter D, and then tattoo, T-A-T-T. Oh, oh, tattoo. Um, dot bigcartel.com. Or if you just go to Big Cartel and search for her, I'm sure that you will find it. But yes, please support our dear friend Jessie. She's a wonderful artist. And please help support her, Bebe. Yes, please. Well, another um, new person that I've kind of found um, is Spooky Mama Boutique. Found them on Instagram, and I've actually been sharing um, in our stories. Um, on our page and so spooky mama boutique is made by diane love she's the owner and she actually just started like doing like small like apparel like t-shirts and things and then she went on to painting purses and wallets all the spooky things on the wallets it's so cute mm. i i keep following her and one of these days i'm probably gonna have her customize like something i don't know what but 
she like has all the like spooky clowns for killer cons of outer space she's done a lot of scream ones i saw an ursula one that she did for somebody like she does a lot of custom orders too and just so you know all her bags and wallets that she does they're all hand painted by her i was like why does this sound so familiar and then i went and looked on instagram and oh i'm already following her yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) so there i mean she's doing some amazing work and like i said she does take custom orders so please look look her up on uh instagram spooky mama boutique and or you can also go uh to her website uh it's spooky mama boutique.com but go buy all the cute spooky things yeah <laughs> do it support small businesses yes well today it's our boo club, club. <laughs> It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we read The Good House by... Oh, here, here we go. I'm going to kill it again. <laughs> T- oh, man. Tanana Reeve Do. Perfect. Yes. Nailed it, girl. I did it. I had to like say it over and over like it was a tongue twister. But yes. <laughs> and before we forget, our next book that we're going to read... Oh, yes. ...was actually suggested by my mother... Which is great. Which is so great. (laughs) Um, So this book is called The Five. It is the, uh, so it's called The Five, The Untold Lives of the Women Killed by Jack the Ripper. This is going to be amazing. And the reason why it caught my mother's attention was it specifically focuses on the five women who obviously were murdered by Jack the Ripper and were identified as sex workers However, uh, the gal that wrote it named Hallie Rubenhold, uh, that is H-A-L-L-I-E-R-U-B-E-N-H-O-L-D, like Reuben, like a sandwich, and then hold. So think of you're holding a Reuben. <laughs> My whole life revolves around food and what I'm going to eat next. I apologize. But anyway, so Hallie, who is actually a social historian discovered that there is this narrative of these women all being sex workers. However, that's not true. They weren't. Mic drop. Mind oh, blown. I can't wait to read this. I know. I'm excited. So that'll it's, be like our a, it's like an expose. Right? So that'll be our next book. Um, but as my lovely co-podcaster mentioned, for last month, we read The Good House. Yes. So just a little bit of back round on Miss Tanana Reeve do I did it again you did good yes <laughs> so uh she was born in Tallahassee Florida and she was um, the oldest of three daughters of civil rights activist Patricia Stevens do and civil rights lawyer John D do jr yep <laughs> wow I practiced <laughs> John D. Do. That reminds me of uh, D. Do. Yeah, Aiden. <laughs> yeah, I instantly uh, thought of that when I shout out to our to our best school friend Liz and her son D. Do. Yes, D-Doo. I can't call him D. Do anymore. He's gonna be eighteen. I know. Ugh. Stop getting bigger. <laughs> Jeez, they're growing too fast. Really anyway, are. but so she earned a B.S. in journalism from Northwestern University's um, Medal School of Journalism and an M.A. in English Literature. Smart cookie. Yes, with an emphasis on Nigerian literature. That's baller. Yeah. I was like, wow. 
<laughs> it's pretty cool. So when um, uh, Tanana Reeve was working as a journalist and columnist for the Miami Herald, um, when she were her when she when she wrote her first novel, The Between, in 1995. So um, this, like many of her subsequent books, was part of a like more of the supernatural genre, which is what we love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she also wrote The Black Rose, which is one I kind of want to read. And uh, it's a historical fiction about Madam C.J. Walker. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And it's based in part of research conducted by Alex Haley before his death. So that's the reason why I want to read it. Ooh! <laughs> all roots! Yeah, I know. I was like, I know now it's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, and then also she did Freedom in the Family, a nonfiction work about the civil rights struggle. And um, she was one of the contributors to the humor novel Naked Came the Manatee. <laughs> I don't know. But in, so this is various uh, Miami area authors each contributed um, chapters to a mystery slash thriller parody. Could be funny. Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> but she's also the author of the African Immortals uh, novel uh, novel series and the Tennyson Hardwick novels. Um, she's also a member of the affiliate faculty in the creative writing MFA program at Antioch University, Los Angeles. And she is also an endowed Cosby chair in the humanities at Spelman College in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, understand <laughs> why they love the Cosby name but anyway because <laughs> I saw that and I was like mm. <laughs> but anyway so and then she also which I know we've mentioned this before she developed a course at UCLA called the sunken place uh racism survival and the black horror aesthetic um after the release of the 2017 film get out made by Jordan Peele and the first course went viral and included actually a visit from Jordan Peele. And I'm really sad I wasn't there. Right? <laughs> but um, she's uh, most famously, like recently, most famously known for being featured in the 2019 documentary film Horror Noir, A History of Black Horror, uh, produced by Sh- Shudder. If you haven't said seen it, a million times, I know, I'll say it again. You need to Go see watch this. It. You need to see this. And you can buy it on DVD too. <laughs> mm hmm. As I sip my water, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so some other novels by her. So there's The Between. Um, and then, of course, The Good House, which we're going to talk about. And then Joplin's Ghost. That's another one I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, my Soul to Keep, The Living Blood, Blood Colony, and then My Soul to Take. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Tina and Reeve do. Yep. <laughs> so we're going to do something a little different this time yes we're gonna stop telling you that tony stark dies oh <laughs> but i just like saying that we can still say it we're but. gonna tell you how he half dies well but actually <laughs> you know what in this in this book we don't know if tony stark dies yeah that's true <laughs> so partially we're just gonna start we're gonna stop trying to ruin everything yes um, but more than that we're just yeah we didn't have an option this time around. <laughs> um, so I'll give you a little bit of a, a, a little bit of backstory on the book for those that haven't read it. And based on what I tell you, you can decide if this is something that you're interested in or not. Spoiler alert: If you're not interested, you should get interested because it's actually a really, really, really yes, good book. A, she's such a good writer. She is. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Now, the way that she writes is um, very Stephen King esque. 
but her timeline weaves in and out. So we go from the early 1900s with her grandmother to 2001 when her son takes his own life. I am not telling you anything you don't already know. You find this out within the first part of the book. Um, And then it also bounces around to two years after that to quote unquote present day. So there are actually like from 2001 to 2003 is roughly when the main part of the book takes place. So the order that I'm going to tell you some details about the story in is not necessarily the order in which they appear in the book. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Cause well, cause I didn't know how to like, yeah. Short of rewriting the story. Mm. Like how do I organize my thoughts so that it makes sense? (laughs) Like, I'm going to just tell you, the best I can. Yeah. So our main protagonist is a gal named Angela Toussaint or Toussaint. Um, and she actually starts her life in the small fictional town. Yes, it's fictional of Sacagawea, Washington. And she was raised by her loving grandmother and unstable slash mentally ill mother yeah um her grandmother is well respected in the community for having healing abilities and they live in a house that was formerly referred to as the good house g-o-o-d-e like gg good from rupaul's drag race yes um named for the family <laughs> like, no one's gonna know who that is well i mean we do you better and some of our friends do. maria the robot in snatch game come on <laughs> She's so good. I, I love her. She's I know. talented. House of Avalon. <laughs> anyway. Right? <laughs> Gigi, Simone. Oh my gosh. So many. Yeah. So I many know. good ones. Um, so obviously named for uh, the original owner. And uh, she's actually is raised by her grandmother. And her grandma is referred to in the book as Grandma Marie. But it's G-R-A-M-M-A. So you have to say Grandma Marie. Grandma, Grandma Marie, <laughs> not Grandma, Grandma. So, uh, Grandma Marie Toussaint, who uh, is is now gone. Obviously, she has passed on, um, and her mom was, as I mentioned, unfit to raise her due to her own mental health issues, or as we find out from the quote unquote good house, mm-hmm. was she maybe being plagued by something else? Yeah. We don't know. So. <laughs> Moving back even further, I'm taking it back. And again, this is not the order in which all of this appears in the book. Um, A long time prior in the early 1900s, people came to this house to be healed because the former owner by the name of Elijah Good was a pharmacist uh, who dispensed medicines, specially brewed with herbs and a little bit of magic. Um, So they like a little bit of magic. Right. So these uh, grew on blessed grounds and land populated with spirits. And these medicines were concocted by Grandma Marie. And she ended up being his wife, who was a voodoo priestess. And when he died, uh, she inherited the house. And she obviously being a black woman in the early 20th century was a little rough on her yep um so she experienced quite a bit of racism so she ended up exercising a demon from one of the daughters of the townsfolk and uh 
it ended up being a good thing for her to do, you know, quote unquote good, especially because she was the one to summon the demon in the first place. Um, <laughs> yeah, it gets real interesting. So her first husband was murdered by racists in New Orleans. Um, so and it, sad. Uh, dude. It yeah. was rough. That was rough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then she ended up moving across the country to Washington with her daughter and married this white pharmacist. Um, and then obviously, because it's the early 20th century and white mm-hmm. people can't behave, racism rears its ugly head again. Um, and even after she helped several nearby communities, it still is a problem. So she obviously inherits this house and people actually went so far as to seek different attorneys to try to get her out of there um so then to further piss everybody off she actually took a native american gentleman as a common law husband Hmm. and he was actually viewed as quote-unquote the good indian who knew his place (laughs) (laughs) i know i was like okay Yeah. (laughs) yeah um so as they started to quote unquote step out of their places, people in the town actually shot up the house, yeah. which is really, really terrible. Yeah. So anyway, Scary. We fast forward to our main protagonist, Angela. Now that we know a little bit of history about her family, um, she left her home after she graduated high school. She went to college, went to law school, and she ends up becoming an entertainment agent. So along the way, she married Tariq Hill, who was a, a famous football player, professional football player. Um, and they had a son, Corey. Obviously, and what I thought was really interesting about this book, and I can imagine that this is how you feel when you read a story that has a protagonist of the different race than you Mm -hmm. i loved the view of there's there's not a lot of overt racism for angela and Tariq in this book but they are a black family living in the middle of white suburbia yeah so there's obviously a lot of racial tension. Um, however, we do find out that her son starts to experience quite a bit of racism, which is really, really tragic. But from Angela, I didn't really get any passages that were directly impacting her. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so over the course of time, the strains of careers and raising children breaks up Angela and Tariq and she actually allows Tariq to take full-time custody of Corey, their son, while she lives in Oakland and they live in LA. So is, is really interesting to read about all the different strains that take place on families. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, especially for me, at least I live in a little bubble with i you know i don't have kids i just have a husband and a bunch of animals so we don't necessarily have the stress that families with kids have god bless you all i don't know how you do it yeah um so anyway inter inter who is 15 he's an aspiring poet and rap artist um has trouble adjusting to his environment um 
And he ends up living with his mom for summer at the Good House in Sacagawea. He's used to living in L.A. where he's got a ton of friends and people to hang out with. Um, And eventually he forms a friendship with a white child named Sean. Um, They share a love of rap. However, uh, not everybody in his community is nice. Some of them are downright hostile. Yeah, really mean. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, This one particular kid... Bo Cryer, the town bully, uh, wears Confederate flag t-shirts. Um, he's just, yeah. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't get that. What I year just, is this? I know, like, why? <laughs> what year is this? And, and you know what, and I know that it happens. Yeah, it does. It's not, it, I mean. It's Charl- sad that it still does, but yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's sad that it still happens, but it, mm-hmm. it's happening. Yeah. Still going. Um, anyway, so we learn a lot more about Corey and he actually, while he's visiting his mom in this house, finds items of his great grandmother's grandma Marie that are hidden away, um, finds her diaries, finds, he reads journals, and he also starts to learn voodoo spells. Yeah. Um, so at first, I liked, yeah, so at first (laughs) he starts using them for small things like, uh, finding lost items, but as he starts tampering, that's when things start to break loose. So he speaks the forbidden word of Papa Legba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was so happy when he got into that and I saw that name. I was like, yes. Yep. <laughs> no, not. Well, yes, the Papa Legba from uh, American Horror but Story. But I know the real story, too, because yeah. I did my research. <laughs> yeah, but also not the Papa Legba from American Horror Story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then during one of the annual family trips to the back to the good place, when Tariq and Angela are actually starting to reconcile Corey ends up taking his own life. It was really sad. Yeah. I, um, I almost cried. It was really sad. So, uh, Corey, under the possession of this voodoo demon, the Baca, action mm. takes his own life. Um, but you know what was really weird about that whole exchange was the part about the, the Baca saying that the gun only does what he wants it to? Yeah. Like... okay it's weird yeah it's real weird um yeah that was weird because i felt like it's not like really what he wanted to do no but it was saying like it's only going to do what you want to do and i was like what yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) what yeah but um like okay yeah um so we fast forward angela who has a very active sex life get it girl (laughs) i know i was like okay Um, yeah so we're introduced to her friend miles friend quotes friend um and then she ends up and, and you know obviously she's trying to uh reinvigorate her life she goes back home she has run a marathon or she's training to run a marathon i mean she's she's trying to get back to her old self and i don't know how any parent who has lost a child um ever gets that and while i don't want to say like obviously has never happened to me so it's not like i can relate or really give any advice on it but i Losing a child very young is obviously tragic, but I feel like losing a child that's older, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's also, I, any of it's tragic, and I don't yeah. want to say one's worse than the other, but 
you your child has developed into a person they're not just a little glow worm that you have to you know move from place to place and he was really kind of doing good for himself obviously oh totally until of course he got into the voodoo and all that but i'm just saying like you know he was a pretty stand-up young gentleman oh yeah absolutely um so she returns to the house um and everybody welcomes her with warm arms um so we start to find out that from a historical perspective there is a lot going on she starts to learn more about her grandma marie she actually learns more about voodoo and how this intertwines with her history people start to die around the house um very mysteriously um and then she then discovers that her grandma's healing powers were as a result of her voodoo practices and that the baka starts preying on anyone that's connected with angela so angela then realizes that her son inherited some of the same traits so she ends up trying to use voodoo and voodoo spells to combat the the baka this murderous evil that is ingrained within this house right the baka then uh possesses her husband Tariq, ex-husband Tariq, um and there's this ridiculously long chase sequence that goes through the woods and ensues and it ends the book ends really really oddly it's very open-ended because it's unclear right it is clear that she destroys the evil right but does she also destroy Tariq? because we don't see Tariq right when she's leaving um and then she ends up seeing this big haitian celebration with her grandma with her mom and everyone says you did it you destroyed the evil you're free and when she goes to leave the forest, we're back in 2001 before Corey took his own life. Um, but before she actually leaves the 2003 timeline, her grandma says, you know, what's, think about a miracle. What miracle would you want if you could have anything? What would it be? And then that chapter ends in 2003. And then we go back to two days before Corey takes his own life it's july 2nd at least that's how i was when i read it on my kindle it's marked with the dates right (laughs) um so we learn about um Corey's voodoo powers and spell casting and then we fast forward to fourth of july when he was supposed to take his own life and angela's having this conversation with her friend miles they're like mildly flirting yeah which she feels guilty about because she's still technically married even (laughs) though they're separated they've been separated for years yeah um but she feels guilty about it and her husband's there and it's kind of this open-ended well how you know how are you guys doing i'd love to see you whether you've got a husband or not and then the book ends so it's kind of yeah it's kind of unresolved. We don't yeah. we don't know what happened. Yeah, I'm I I'm definitely on the same with you. Like I was trying to sit there and think about it. And then I was like, well, no, that doesn't make sense either. No, I reread it a couple of times <laughs> yeah, because I, did too. I, I thought that you know how sometimes if you skip too fast on your Kindle, you skip a page? Yes. So I was like, did I Well, I was using my iPad this time around to read it, so 
Um, I felt like that happened a lot. <laughs> also, mm-hmm. I dropped it, so. Oh, no! Yeah, there's that beautiful. Oh, God! It still works, though. Still works. Still works. Do you have Apple Care? <laughs> I do. I just haven't had the time to make an appointment to go to the Apple store. Oh, you mean working 12 hour days, 17 days yes, in a row, you exactly. didn't have time? And I was like, oh, hey, you know what? It still works and I can still read the book. So yay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I kept going back and, and reading it again to make sure that I had it clear that she was kind of like going back. I was like, did I miss something? Yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, we're backtracking? I didn't she know went back happened. to the future? Like, okay. Well, right? anyway, I liked it though. I did too. Um... A couple of things about uh, Tanana Reeves' style. There is lots and lots and lots of foreshadowing. A lot. Like, to the point where we are beat over the head with it. Like, <laughs> we get it. Something yeah. real shitty is about to happen. Yeah. I, like, I, but it was, like, funny because, like, as I read those parts, I was like, all right, well, let me mentally prepare myself again. Like, well, and it was, it was almost like, girl. I know. Okay. <laughs> um, like, the, the whole, okay, so there were, there were a couple things. One, with the, the two that come to mind, the 4th of July party. Yes. When it's, it's like, and this, and then she knew with the the wind rustling through the trees, something terrible is about to happen. Something was never going to be the same. This was going to change. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, and then the other one was when she was going back to the house when she had figured everything out. It was the same thing where I'm like, all right. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I got you. We get it. I understand. <laughs> um, but the way that she weaves in and out of the timelines <laughs> with the exception of the ending mm-hmm. it's done really really well it also helps that the time the dates are listed on the chapters right um that helped yeah that definitely helped me a lot too yeah but the way that she kind of weaves in because obviously angela is our main protagonist but right. we also have story that is told from the perspective of grandma marie and from Corey, her son yeah i really liked that I did Actually. too. Yeah, it's good first person narrative, but it's told from so many different perspectives. Um, I don't want to say she writes like Stephen King. I want to say Stephen King writes like her. Yeah, I I've been reading, like I've been hearing that a lot about her. Mm-hmm. Is that she's compared a lot to Stephen King? I can see that a little bit, but I don't know. I feel like there there are just some things that about her that. I don't know, maybe not or so much like Stephen King. Like what? Elaborate. Like, well, well, maybe not. <laughs> like, I was thinking more just like the way, like, I feel like he doesn't really do the foreshadowing like he does. Like, mm. he does some. He doesn't beat you over the head with it. Yeah, like, he gives you a little bit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like to really like give it away. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like her ending, I feel like most of his endings are kind of resolved. Mm. I mean, not in all the books, but I, I, I don't know. I feel like majority of them. Maybe I could just be thinking of one of it here, but I don't know. Like, I felt like she left that like so open. Like, and I was thinking like about like when, you know, they, if they could possibly like adapt it into a movie, I was like, how would they do that? <laughs> because it was just. Here's how I f- 
here's how I picture the ending of this book. Um, was it the movie Inception where um, the folks that are going going in into the further or, you know, when they're kind of going under into the state yes. of hypnosis and blah, blah, blah. When they spin a coin. Is that the movie that I'm yes. thinking of when they spin the coin yes. to try to determine if it's real or not? Yes. Um, and then if it stops spinning, then it's real. And then it, if, if it keeps going, going it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I picture... The ending of this book yeah. is like the ending of Inception when, like yeah. Yeah, when Leo DiCaprio uh, spins the coin and, and then walks going. away and it keeps going. Yeah. Where it's like, is it going to drop? We yeah. don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it just goes to black. I like <laughs> to think that based on this miracle that Grandma Marie was talking about, what's the one thing that a parent who has lost a child wants more than anything in this life? Their child back. Mm-hmm. I like to view this as she banished the baka and she used her miracle quote-unquote miracle that she was given to get him back to get him back and go back in time yeah to live that life over to to redo it yep to to save him yep yeah i just wish you know i don't know i'm like sitting there like i want you to finish i want to know what happens Did you save him? Yeah. I need to know. <laughs> well, and something that I thought was interesting, and and I so I did a little bit of extra research on mm-hmm. her writing style and the concepts that she used. Yeah. Um. So she absolutely used real concepts within Haitian voodoo. Yes. But, which I appreciate. Yes, but she did improvise on the spells and the prayer and the magic yeah. that took place um and obviously we know that this is there's different types of voodoo as we just discussed as, before as we just discussed <laughs> last month um but i did like that she incorporated the difference and she kind of put her own spin on it which i yeah. really appreciated i like it because i like that she because going off like we had that whole episode about um voodoo or voodoo mm-hmm. um <laughs> and um like like the whole the the Papa Legba like you know I actually read about that because I wanted to make sure in first place if American Story <laughs> American Horror Story had anything like correct about it because I had never heard about him mm-hmm. in like you know in that whole um, religion mm-hmm. but I did appreciate that she did put that in there I mean of course you know you got to Hollywood it up just a little bit just a little sometimes or a lot if you're Ryan Murphy R- right <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> but yeah like i i totally get why you gotta kind of like snazz it just a little bit just to add to the story and she did it really well you have to have everyone lip sync for their life even though you know all four of them are going to the finale (laughs) somebody is still salty right now (laughs) why is there so much drama (laughs) the drama Uh, why you gotta take a drama mean dude totally <laughs> like my my head hurts from rolling my eyes so hard i got that from my sister she's like when there's too much drama in your life you gotta take that drama mean oh my god charlie you're so right <laughs> i'm like i don't think that that's what it's for but you know what i like it <laughs> but um but yeah no i really appreciated her kind of putting that history in there because i think it's important like Especially if it's, you know, this book was kind of like heavily based on like the voodoo religion. So I'm glad that she actually, you know, brought all that in. I mean, yes, it's embellished just a little bit, but like I think there was enough history in there to like 
for people to kind of learn something a little bit. Absolutely. If you didn't listen to our episode. (laughs) Absolutely. I I like that she took a little bit of creative license with it, but I like that she based it mostly in fact. Yeah. Um, Well, I have some discussion questions for you. I'm ready. (laughs) Other than the ending, did you have to reread anything? And if so, what part? The part where... The part that I kind of reread, but I, I just, I felt like maybe I just wanted to make sure I heard it right. I mean, <laughs> it was really the ending, but the other part was when, like, she was coming back and then she was kind of learning everything again, like, about her grammar, like, the real thing. There was a couple parts in there that I was just trying to make sure I understood right, because I felt like he... She, he, sorry. She, <laughs> she mentioned some of that stuff about her grandmother a little bit in the beginning, but didn't really dive into it. Mm-hmm. So again, with the foreshadowing. <laughs> but, but then like when it came to that middle part where she's coming back and learning all this, so there's a few things that, I don't know. And maybe this is just the part of like her embellishing a little bit. Um, just getting into the voodoo, I felt like they're just there's some stuff that was like kind of unclear and that's why I kind of went back and then looked like in more voodoo stuff just to make sure that I had it right. Yeah. The the only part that I had to reread was, was like I mentioned the ending, but mm-hmm. I felt as though the pace of this book was pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, I agree. It wasn't, was not a slow burn. It's creepy and spooky right mm-hmm. out of the gate with the Which prologue. Which I love. Yeah, this is this is a great haunted yeah. house story, guys. And I also <laughs> loved the quotes at the beginning of each section. Yeah, that that are Be- set up the chapter. Yes. Yeah. It was perfect. Oh yeah. It was so perfect. It just got me like in the mood and excited to keep reading. I feel like I mean, I know if we read a lot of books that kind of like grab us like really at the beginning and it's off to like you know a really good start. And again, I feel like with this one too. I don't too, feel like we've read that many that well, are. Okay, well, I mean, well, in our lifetime. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I feel like this, I mean, maybe not so much for the book club when we started this podcast, but I will say if we're just talking about books that we read for book club here, I think this one grabbed me the most. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and for it, sure. It was really, um, the, the pacing was really consistent. There's not a dull moment. And I really appreciate the little nuances that make it this great haunted house story. So things like, the piano playing on its own, uh, the rustling of the leaves, and obviously the sounds of footsteps, that kind of stuff. It's super creepy and almost makes you read faster. Mm-hmm. So I didn't find that there were things that I had to reread except for the ending to right. be like, what the fuck's going on? I would say on? that was the main thing. And then there was just other thing with all like the names and stuff. I just wanted to make sure I had them right. But other than that, you know me with pronouncing things, it's... It's not so good. <laughs> uh, did this book impact your mood? Um, you know, it's always hard for me, and it's not just with books, like TV shows, movies, whatever. Whenever it's dealing with like heavy racism, oh yeah, and you're reading about really bad stuff happening, it it kind of affects me. I'm not gonna lie. Like, the part that stood out to me, and I've already pointed this out, mm-hmm. is is when Corey shot himself. Mm-hmm. But, but it just made me... But that one wasn't racially motivated. Right, it wasn't racially motivated, but I don't know why it just... 
made me think a little like deeper on it where like I feel like sometimes people in this country like just make you know black people feel like they just need to do that because they don't need to be here like I think that's the feeling I had from it even though I know it was the you know the the evil baka telling him to do it but I don't know like I I felt like I just got a little deeper and I got like I kind of got like sad because like I feel like you know especially last year like you know it just well I mean not well just last year like in general it's like it's just the community's just like crushed all the time and I don't know that's like where I took from it a little bit I guess I just went too deep <laughs> I went down the I went down the rabbit hole <laughs> I'm like I don't need to do that <laughs> But, um, but any book that like, just, just talks about like, you know, any of like really harsh, like, you know, racist treatment, like it always just kind of like, gives me chills a little bit. I agree. And who, um, oh, who is the professor that I follow on Instagram? Oh my goodness. I got to find her. Um, (laughs) But I, I found her, was, I think it was CNN. I was oh. watching, oh my gosh, what was I watching? We had this conversation too. Oh my goodness, I gotta find her. Um, but it might have been when Derek Chauvin was finally indicted. Oh, yeah. And she got on, C- she was on CNN. Oh, what is her name? She's a w- really well-renowned professor and author. She's amazing. This is going to kill me when I finally find her. <laughs> um, but she had gotten in that anchor's face and said, you guys don't get to be shocked anymore. Yeah. This has happened enough that this is not a time for healing this is not a time because and that was the big thing i think yeah. um, the current president of the united states came out and said you know this is a time for healing blah 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 and she's like no. oh no 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 okay i remember i remember it was not Derek chauvin's indictment oh my god i'm so sorry this is like the most roundabout way of me trying to tell you this important story <laughs> um this was the uh, the day that a bunch of people that uh, insurged on the Capitol uh, and of committed course. trespassing and treason in the United States were finally <laughs> arrested. And, you know, the, the Zodiac killer from Texas decided to say, you know, this is a time for healing and blah, blah, blah. And she said, no, 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 don't get me wrong. None of you get to be shocked by this anymore. And this is not a time for healing. This is a time for accountability. And I go back to that every time and reading this never, I, you know, reading Corey getting beaten up by a bully, by a racist bully is not easy for me to read. But yeah. at this point, I don't get to be shocked by this anymore. Yeah. Because this has happened for hundreds of years. It's we still have a long way to go. Yeah. And it's the time for accountability. It's yep. the time to and you know what? Accountability with our friends and neighbors is sometimes the hardest. It's the people. It's everybody's real brave behind a keyboard. It's real easy to post stuff on social media mm-hmm. and be a hero. But holding the people closest to you accountable for their actions and their beliefs is the hardest thing to do. But it's the most important thing for us to do. Yeah. 
And I'll get off my soapbox. No, I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. And I'm just glad that there's books like these that Brittany talk Cooper. About- oh, yes. Professor Brittany Cooper. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Because I remember we talked about it in one episode. I don't remember which one. Mm-hmm. But you did mention it. Yep. <laughs> I remembered. But yeah, it's just, like I said, in general, it's just like always hard to read those parts or, or watch it in movies or, you know, just anything. For me, um... In addition to the the racist issues that took place in this book, the other hard part was Angela's coping with losing a child and blaming her husband because yeah. the gun that he used belonged to her estranged husband. Mm-hmm. So she blamed him for yeah. taking his own life. But and, and you know, I I get it. And it's really easy for everybody to sit back and be a critic and say well, you know, Corey had his own, and obviously we find out that he's under the influence of a demon, Right. but it's real easy for everybody to sit back and be judgmental and say, well, no, they made their own decision. This is what they wanted to do. There's nothing you could have done. It's really easy to say that, but yeah. for the person at the receiving end of it, it's not that easy. No, it is not. It's really not. <laughs> um. I'm trying to think of. What surprised you the most about this book? Um, I I'd have to say um, just the ending. I don't know. I felt like with the the pace of the story and the way it was going, I thought there was going to be a little like kind of res- resolvement, a little bit, a little. <laughs> Like, not not so much of a happy ending, but I don't know. You weren't expecting the the spinning coin. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> like, well, you know me. I hate I hate the um, what do they call it? the cliffhanger? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not my favorite. Like the Sopranos were just gonna fade to black and nothing. No. Oh! <laughs> Worst and okay, The Sopranos is my favorite TV show of Me all too. time. Worst ending when it ever. ended like that. I was like, seriously? But, oh my and I God. can't say that it was that much like that in this book, but like that kind of surprised me. Worst ending ever. A little bit. Um, also, the part where the Baca was like telling him to shoot himself. I think that kind of surprised me a little bit too. But then I guess maybe. Maybe it would have, I don't know if cliche is the right word. It's not maybe cliche. Like for like one of the bullies to like do something to him. I don't know. Maybe she wanted to, wanted it to be different. I don't know. Cause I think it would have been just easy to be like, well, one of the, the bullies beat him up and cause like it's happening so much. I don't know. That was the other thing too. But I, I mean, I kind of like that how she did that instead of like just going with kind of a, the American story, <laughs> I guess. Cause it's just been happening so much, but yeah, like I think mostly the thing that surprised me was the ending. Cause I felt like with the way that it was going, it was going to kind of have this sort of happy ending, not really. And then fade to black. <laughs> so I was kind of hoping to see that, uh, it, like her saving him and, and stuff. I was kind of excited about that. I'm going to go a different route with okay. my surprise. I was actually surprised at 
how easy it was to read. Oh, okay. And like how familiar the writing style was because yeah. it is I don't want to compare her to Stephen King yeah. because I feel like that's not fair. Um Well, and, and that's why I was saying like I don't know. I don't I don't want to I didn't want to do that either. Well, I hate cuz I feel like each writer is kind of like their their own. Well, it, that's not my problem. It's that I don't want to compare my issue is I don't want to compare a black woman to a white man. That's my issue I, with it. Okay, yeah. Um <laughs> because she's a she's a bamf on her own exactly and i love her writing style it was just it was very i'll I'll just say it was very reminiscent of other horror authors that i have read um different from someone like if if you know comparing to a female horror author Mm -hmm. very different writing style from anne rice yes very different very different (laughs) um but very character driven Mm -hmm. very story driven yes um very descriptive language mm. not overly flowery which is great yeah it's just incredibly <laughs> she's amazing at setting the scene so that you really feel like you are part of a narrative yeah you are that fly on the wall that is watching it, it like literally unfold. pulls you in you have the movie going in your head like she does such a good job of writing the characters and writing the scene that mm. You, you've already started casting people in your head <laughs> to fit these Ooh, roles. That's a good question. Yeah. And you've already started, like, you have these people in your head. You are already watching this movie play out. That's, yeah. that's what really surprised me. I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Okay. I like it. I was expecting it to be good because it got great reviews. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. Yeah. And to like it as much as I did. And to, like, want me to read, like, her whole collection of novels. Totally. <laughs> so like you're okay so speaking of movie mm-hmm. who would you have play i want to know Tariq would be tay diggs uh i like that i yeah. would totally say the same thing Tariq would be tay diggs um angela would be oh my gosh who would i pick for angela i was thinking carrie washington Carrie Washington would be great. Who's the gal from This Is Us who plays Randall's wife, Beth? I forget her name, but I know who you're talking about. She'd be great as Angela yes. also. Agreed. Um, Grandma Marie would have to be Angela Bassett. I knew you were going to say that. Would have to be Angela I Bassett. I knew you were going to say that, but it's only because we really love her. Because I really love Angela Bassett. And <laughs> but I, just I also watch her. think that she would be perfect she'd be great she would be perfect for this because she just she just has that like ability like like the part where you know like like the grandma's like kind of given like the wisdom like i feel like angela bassett has that well i can't say cecily tyson unfortunately oh i know because she would have been perfect she would have been great yeah Um, ugh so many greats Um. who i don't know who i would cast it for miles yeah, and Corey was a hard one. Corey would be a hard one for me. Because I don't, like... Who's a good I don't pay young... attention to much young actors, but... Oh, my God, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Uh, da, 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 da. Finn from Star Wars. I mean, he's, oh, a, little, he's a little old. Finn, um... Uh, something... John Boyega. John Boyega! He's a little <laughs> old. He's a little yeah. old, but John Boyega would be great. I mean, if this came out, like, a while ago... I would say when um, Michael B. Jordan was younger. 
he yeah, would be good too. He's also a, a little because when old. he did, um, oh, shh, no, I forgot the damn movie. His like breakout role. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, oh no, he's I, also too old. I'm like I can't think of it. Miles, yeah, that's um, that's a hard one. I don't know who I would have. For yeah, Miles. but I think oh, oh, you know who I would have? Um, 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 um Daniel Kaluuya. Ooh. Ooh, and I like him. I do too. Also, <laughs> fresh off a Golden Globe win. Yeah, also, I'm not going to lie. When I first heard him talk, I didn't know he was British. <laughs> he and John Boyega. I know, well, I know he was Both British. But I haven't actually seen, like, really, like. Oh, you didn't watch Attack the Block, did you? No. Oh, okay, that's why I wasn't surprised. Yeah, because like when I saw him on Saturday Night Live, I was like, "Yeah, he's British." Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need to watch more interviews with him. Mm-hmm. But it was great because like I was like, "Ooh, hey." Um. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> continue. No, no, no. But that's like that. So yeah, that's my my soapbox about how much I liked Tanana Reeves' writing style. Yes. Um, I'm shocked that this is not more of a bestseller. And he, and also, like, I went into, like, a bunch of bookstores, and not one of her books was there. You know what I'm really sad about is... I was bummed not to see that. I'm I'm really sad that I did not know who Tanana Reeve Dew was until I saw yeah. Horror Noir on Shutter. I think it definitely broke out, but I feel like also because of that, I, that's what I was saying. I was surprised I didn't see any of her books in any stores. Mm-mm. Like not one, not even like her short stories, like nothing. Mm-mm. I had to, I, I just, you know, like I said, I read it on my iPad, but you know, lately I've been feeling like I'm wanting to like turn pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was kind of bummed. I couldn't like find that this book and then her other ones. Cause I, you know, definitely wanted to read more, but not one book, not one book. And she's got a class at UCLA. You guys, come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yep. Come on, California. I know. <laughs> LA. Come on now. I know. It, that was that was kind of a a bummer to see. I mean, she's you know, an acclaimed writer and why was it so hard for me to find her book? <laughs> it's it's very strange to me. So the same the same way that um actors can request inclusion writers mm-hmm. in their contracts um i feel like bookstores need to and obviously you know web web bookstores and amazon and so forth can house a variety of titles because they just stick them all in a gigantic warehouse and ship them out and so forth Mm -hmm. um and obviously digital downloads are way easier so if you have a nook or a kindle blah 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 but i feel like bookstores need to have some sort of their own inclusion writer where whomever is the head of merchandising for brick and mortar bookstores needs to say, okay, dear nonfiction writer, X percentage of titles needs to be written by Asian authors. X percentage of titles needs to be written by Mm -hmm. black authors. X percentage needs native American authors. We need wider and more broad representation of different types of authors because if we just read the same material by white people we're only getting one perspective yeah um 
And I personally loved reading this from the perspective of a black protagonist yes. because this is there this doesn't happen very nope, often. It doesn't. And I really loved getting that side of the coin and seeing the struggles of a black woman through her eyes yep. from her voice. Um I mean, I, like, obviously, I don't love that she struggled, but it was really interesting for me to get that perspective. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like, dear brick and mortar bookstores, you need your own version of yep. an inclusion writer. Agreed. Um, so that I we agree. can hear different stories and different voices. Yeah. And I, when I feel like they should just be doing that anyway, not even just in, in bookstores, like with our assigned reading in like middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like some of those choices aren't good either (laughs) bronte sisters uh charles dickens you know i'm thinking william shakespeare right and and i'm thinking back to my summer reading assignments in high school like doing the ap classes and Mm -hmm. having to read over the summer i had so many ap english classes (laughs) well i'm i'm thinking back to my summer reading assignments and i can only think of one book that and and it was the good earth and that oh. was it by pearl s buck yep i don't think i read that one that, that wasn't was, one of your that uh, was not required that one was uh what you call it well and even pearl was a white woman so but yeah. it was written from the perspective of right an asian man um, i've heard of this book i just haven't read it I remember reading Silas Marner by George Eliot, but George Eliot was actually a woman who wrote under a male pseudonym because she couldn't get published <laughs> as a woman. <laughs> I had an uh, AP English teacher, like she said, okay, for the summer, I want you um, to pick like one big book, you know, to read. And then you got like, to pick one. This was like one time <laughs> we got to pick one and I picked Roots. Nice. And she was like, are you sure you want to read that? <laughs> yeah. What kind of AP English class did you get? Because we all had to. She said, she's like, are you sure you want to read it? That's a rough book. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like part of like history. And I feel like everybody should read it. Just sure. saying. But a lot of them are rough. Like exactly. a lot of the existing. Because you know, you know why it's rough? Because it tells the truth. Well, I'm I'm just I'm surprised that they gave you an option because I thought that it was an actual syllabus that you had to read these books. Yeah, well, there is. We got we got to pick one, and then one was like one of the assigned ones. Oh no, I got like the list was three or four. Oh yeah, we and it was an assigned syllabus. I guess maybe my teacher was lazy. I don't know. (laughs) She's like, you just read two, and you pick one, one. Yeah, they made us. They gave us like a whole list of, and I had to do like a something like a like a 10 page assignment on it yeah that was too much writing anyway (laughs) but yeah i just feel like in schools too they need to change the reading requirements just a little bit yeah need more more authors of color more perspective more just more yes and change history books (laughs) make them accurate they can work on that too (laughs) while they're at it well in the main my main takeaway from this book and i actually read this from from something else like not related to this book Mm -hmm. but it still applies my main takeaway is that 
the racist history of the United States cannot be erased. Mm -hmm. This is a country that was built. It was land stolen from Native Americans built on the backs of slaves. Yep. You cannot ignore that. Nope. (laughs) No matter how much you may want to. As much as you try. Yes. Um, (laughs) And that is still ever present in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, And we should not allow that history to be erased. You need to learn from it. And it's our job and it's our generation's job and Mm -hmm. future generations to make sure that that never happens again. Yeah. We got to do it now. Yep. That's my biggest takeaway. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. Um, (laughs) I will say there was like one quote that kind of, stuck out on me and she was like if uh if this were a movie this is the part where the audience would be screaming for the woman to get out of the house so that's exactly what i'm doing <laughs> <laughs> i was like that's me yep <laughs> that is me yeah <laughs> but no i i definitely uh, agree with you with that the the takeaway from the book is you know you you can't erase history it's it's already there you can't hide from it um you know like trying to hide the fact that, you know, Disney made a total racist movie (laughs) and they're trying to erase it from Disney Plus and everything. But Song of the South? Yes. You can't get it in the United States. Nope, can't, sure can't. And now they're changing the whole ride too. You can get it in every (laughs) other country. Well, not every other, but you can get it in a few other countries. You can't get it Let's find it and get it and watch it. Um, Well, that's what, and Whoopi Goldberg, who is a Disney legend, Mm -hmm. uh, actually was campaigning to try to get it released in its original form. And her argument was, <laughs> it's wrong then. It was wrong then. It's wrong now. But you can't pretend it didn't happen. Exactly. And you need to learn from it. And just like here. Yep. <laughs> but w- what Whoopi said. <laughs> Although, I will... Devil's advocate. <laughs> Please, everyone, for the love of God. Because I get, I hear this argument all the time from people about the um, Confederate war monuments that went up and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Please people, the Smithsonian actually has published a timeline of when those all went up. It was during Jim Crow laws. Yes. <laughs> no one's like, and they were put up mostly by the daughters of the South. So <laughs> look up. When a lot of like you could actually look at the timeline yeah. and there's this huge spike when Jim Crow laws were uh, enacted mm-hmm. and then during the civil rights movement, zoop, big spike. Yes. So Smithsonian published a report on it. Please go and read it. Then you can come and yell at me. I don't think they need to yell at you. No, but I get that argument a lot of, you're well, just, you're you're taking these down, you're erasing history. Like, guys, no one is erasing history. I'm saying you should teach it, you should learn from it. You shouldn't yeah. glorify it, yeah. especially when these things went up during Jim Crow laws. Exactly. And I think that's, it, people are taking like, oh, they just want to, you know, get rid of it. But it's like, no, we we just want you to like, talk about it. But in a truthful way. Stop idolizing people that wanted to <laughs> cause problems. I know, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. But anyway, yes. someday we'll solve the world's problems. But yes. for now, this is a really great book. Please it's, read it. Yes, it is just under 500 pages. Um, I think the audiobook is like 
22 hours or something like that. Yeah. So if you got some long commutes. Mine was like 700 in my book. 700? Again, but it was this is iBooks. So. Oh, yeah. Mine was like 490 or something like <laughs> so that. So it might have like, and it's like really large too. Oh, got it. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's I not that long though. Yeah. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Yes. But please read it. She's a great writer. Mm-hmm. I plan to read more of her books. Hopefully we'll pick another one at some point. Yeah. On here. But And our next book, as we mentioned, is The Five. And it is the story of the women that were murdered by Jack the Ripper. I'm so excited for this. I am too. <laughs> it's by Hallie Rubin Hold. Hold your Rubin sandwich tight. Chew on it. Huddle it up close. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for it. And my, my mother recommended it. <laughs> I know. And I really like that she told us about it. So I'm like even more excited yeah. to read it. And plus it's Jack the Ripper. I mean, it's famous. Spooky town. And I feel like we can dive in a little spooky Jack the Ripper history too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening, folks. Yes. Um, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe as well for updates. We yes. have a Facebook. Go we and do. like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Oh, we started. I should have led with this. Oh, we yes. And our, and our ghouls news. Yes. And our ghouls news. Sorry. We started a TikTok. Mother, <laughs> mother ducker. I should have said this. So we started a TikTok <laughs> called Ghostess Adventures, yes. and it's basically just us making fun of Ghosts Adventures. Yes, please go follow. We're ridiculous. It's, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's funny, but I mean, if you watch the show, a lot of people do. I know all of our spooky listeners probably do. Um, you will think it's hilarious. I hope you do, or you'll yes. just think we're mean. We're I don't not think it's mean to, at We're all. not trying to be mean. We're just poking fun at the fact that Zach Bagans is worth. 30 million dollars for looking at dust particles so. <laughs> and he cannot debunk it and he can't debunk the dust particles <laughs> so anyway um yes go and follow us on tiktok please um it's ghostess adventures it's ghostess underscore yes, adventures ghostess underscore adventures yes hopefully and we'll share some funny. of the videos on our, our page too yes we will um merch we've got merch on our oh, website yes. and don't forget about kitty 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 effects shop yes because <laughs> their um shop will be opening soon or is already open and make sure you use our code squad ghouls to receive 15 percent off yep and that's it yeah okay creep it real and we'll scare you later Bye-bye. bye bye